0: Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement here to the Madison area and surrounding communities. Madison Labor Radio is here and I'm Bert Zipper, a member of Madison Teachers Incorporated Retirees. This is a special Pledge Week edition of Labor Radio. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming here on WORT possible.
1: And what a great week we've had. And I'm Victoria Gutierrez, a member of SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin. And this week we learn about the historic U.S. women's soccer pay equity settlement, explore the new union contract at Willie Street Co-op, check in with the nurses' union activities at UW Hospital, get the latest on Wisconsin legislative maps, and share this week's COVID report and much, much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio.
0: And call now, 608-256-2001, extension 1.
2: And here we are again. This is a pledge week uh, for for WORT. I am Frank Emsbach, a co-producer here at Labor Radio, and we are with... Carol Weidel,
3: a member of the American Civil Liberties Union.
2: And we urge you to contribute to Labor Radio. Why should you do that? Because we are unique. We are the only... show dedicated to working people in basically the state of Wisconsin and certainly here in Dane County. Our voices are your voice. And so we need to hear from you to make sure these voices stay on the air and are available to all of us to hear about what other working people are doing.
3: Well, why do you support Word? Well, it's important to you because our news in our community is has a unique voice. You won't hear this anywhere else. You you hear from such diverse audiences. We've got, um, well, Rock and John, uh and Floyd. We've got uh, Saturday morning um, music. We've got so many different. We've got um, a public affair where authors are interviewed. I mean, this is. You, you can contribute to Labor Radio, you can volunteer for Labor Radio, and you can really um, wear your heart on your sleeve by um, pledging, and we get you some of our great swag. Um, and um, we want to hear from
2: you. can call us here. And call us,
3: 256-608-256-2001, yes. extension 1. We want to hear from you now.
2: And incidentally, this past year we've interviewed almost 200 of you. So we'd like to hear from you. Give us a ring, 256-2001, extension 1.
0: The union at Willie Street Co-op has a new contract, and here are the details.
4: Last week, Labor Radio reported that the union representing workers at Willie Street Co-op, the United Electrical, Radio, and Machine Workers of America, the UE, Local 1186, had reached a tentative agreement on a new contract. On Monday of this week, members voted to approve that contract. Mike Tomiloff, president of Local 1186, spoke to Labor Radio on Tuesday, the day after the contract was
5: approved by its members. Management came back with a far better offer on wages and that got a little better after that even. So we wrapped up our contract negotiations last Thursday and then spent the weekend getting ready for an election yesterday. We held a couple info sessions via Zoom on Sunday, and we shared out a contract summary with all the tentative agreements that will affect our new contract for all the workers. And uh, we held an election yesterday, and we passed with a strong majority. We have our new contract in place, all ready to go for March 16th of 2022. Tumeloff provided details
4: on the contract.
5: So we've got an improvement to our sick leave benefit. Those folks working from 30 hours and up, which is considered full-time at the co-op, we have 88 hours of sick time, or now we can roll over our sick time, whereas in the past we'd use it or lose it. We also instituted a sick leave bank, so that folks who run out of sick time and find themselves in a dire situation can draw from a sick leave bank, providing they've donated to it. We uh, improved vacation time. We actually added a bracket to our vacation accrual schedule. It was only three or four before, now it's one more, so you get a little sooner. We decreased the probationary period for new hires from 90 days to 60. We protected our really good health care. We have some uh, agreement on staffing about uh, posting some shifts across the sites. People can now work overtime in an effort to fill those lost shifts. Uh, we have instituted permanently our 15-minute rest breaks that we put in place due to masking during COVID, but now that's a permanent 15 minutes up from 10. We've eliminated the uh, permanent record for tardies and disciplines. They're gone after six months. We have uh, a shoe program where the co ops going to provide non-flip shoes to kitchen, deli, and, and meat department workers. And the big one is the wage increases. Those wage increases were significant, says Tomiloff. The last time we did a contract, we proposed $3. They proposed a quarter. We wound up at $0.90 cents over the course of two years, and then we ended up getting some hazard pay bonus that we didn't expect, obviously. But this time, over the life of the two-year contract, we have $3.10 in total increases spread out over three bumps. Current minimum entry level is thirteen eighty. As of the 16th of this March, it's going to be 15 And by the end of this contract, that'll be 1690. 1690 versus 1380 is a world of difference for a lot of people. Moving up, things like bakers and cooks and customer service reps, they've gone from 1560 to 1680 and then on up to 1870. So everyone's getting a good bump across the board. off credits rank-and-file participation and
4: solidarity for the contract that was gained.
5: We had a great contract support committee. We had a great network of supporters in the stores. We had 25 people come out and stand behind us at the bargaining table, and we're convinced that that's what really moved management and moved us to a wage increase that reflects reality in Madison and is really on the road to a true living wage. And we really couldn't have done it without all that support from all those people who are lined up to become stewards and help us out with the union movement as we go
4: forward. That was Mike Tomiloff, president of UE Local 1186, representing workers at Willie Street Co-op. Their new two-year deal goes into effect on March 16th. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky.
1: Nurses at UW Hospital are on the move and continue to push their organizing drive to achieve a union at UW Hospital. Frank Emspak has this story.
2: On Thursday, February 24th, UW nurses conducted a historic informational picket During a freezing cold evening, several hundred nurses and community supporters demonstrated to the UW Hospital Board that nurses wanted the board to do the right thing and voluntarily recognize the Nurses Union at UW Hospitals and Clinics. Labor Radio spoke with Kate Walton, a UW nurse for six years in the emergency department and on the organizing committee for the union, as well as Tammy Burns, a nurse in vascular progressive care for five years and also on the committee. The informational picket was timed to align with the hospital board meeting to demonstrate to the board the depth of support for voluntary recognition. But there were also other objectives. Tammy Burns explains. But it
6: also was a way for us to get together. It's been a long pandemic, so it's really hard for all of us nurses to get together and talk to each other and show support with
7: each other.
2: Kate Walton added,
7: We were out there for the same reason that we've been out there fighting for our union for the last three years, which is that we want safe staffing and we want to provide quality care for our patients and for our community. And we want the hospital to do the right thing and recognize our union. So uh, that's why we spent four hours out in the cold to let the hospital know that we're here and we're still here and we're not going to give up until we get our union.
2: Kate also provided this assessment of the action.
7: We had really good turnout again, especially considering the beautiful Wisconsin February weather that we had. Uh, we had really good turnout, both with nurses and community support. We had a number of unions there in solidarity with us, which was very much appreciated. I think that, you know, it made the point that uh, we're still in, you know, we're still in this and we're still, uh, get, we're going to keep fighting this fight. Uh, because we know that this is what the hospital needs and what we need.
2: The nurses have had several significant public demonstrations showing support for voluntary recognition. Now they must decide how to take this support and bring the hospital to the point where it recognizes the union. To get to this point, nurses are intensifying their internal discussions, bringing each idea back to nurses on each unit for discussion and eventually a decision. Kate said this.
6: At this point, we've, we've all decided that the next steps need to be dramatic, heating up of efforts, but there, there are a couple options on the table right now.
2: That was Kate Walden and Tammy Burns, emphasizing that Thursday's informational picket is the first of what will be a series of actions. Listeners who wish to support the nurses can go to supportuwnurses.org.
0: And now, Carol Weidel brings us the news of a Wisconsin McDonald's operator settling a race discrimination lawsuit.
3: PenSec Incorporated, a Wisconsin corporation that operates nine Milwaukee McDonald's restaurants, will pay $31,137 and other relief to resolve a race discrimination lawsuit brought by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, or EEOC. PenSec failed or refused to hire black applicants because of their race. Unsuccessful applicants were told, using the N-word, that the store did not like black people. Instead, the store needed Spanish people. The location on West Washington Street in Milwaukee also had a statistically significant shortfall in the hiring of black applicants based on census data for the area. The alleged conduct violates the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination in the workplace based on race. In addition to monetary relief, the consent decree prohibits the company from discriminating in the future and requires the company to make best efforts to reach hiring goals for black employees. The decree also mandates training on Title VII to its employees and make regular reports to the EEOC regarding its compliance with the decree. Greg Gotchenauer, the EEOC's regional attorney in Chicago, said, Stopping race discrimination in hiring is one of the fundamental objectives of the EEOC. This consent decree furthers these objectives by requiring that the company take steps to transform its hiring practices. Julianne Bauman, director of EEOC's Chicago District Office, said, We are pleased that we were able to resolve this case with PENSEC. The consent decree will ensure that federal laws against discrimination are followed and that all future applicants, regardless of their race, will be given the consideration that they deserve. The EEOC's Chicago District Office is responsible for processing charges of discrimination, administrative enforcement, and the conduct of agency litigation in Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and North and South Dakotas, with area offices in Milwaukee and Minneapolis. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel.
2: And now we hear from our other producer here and reporter, Greg Gabowski.
4: This is Greg. You've heard me report stories on Labor Radio here on WORT. Labor Radio is just one of the many shows here on WORT FM that brings news, commentary, and music you won't hear anywhere else. This is our main pledge drive. And I hope you can donate generously at wortfm.org. That's www.wortfm.org. Or call 608-256-2001. Thank you and all of our listeners for your absolutely necessary
3: support. And this is Carol, and along with Frank.
2: But I think we might have Ellen on the line here. Is she on the line? Can we hear her? Yeah, hello. Hi. Well, that's good to hear from you.
3: Yeah, and what I wanted to say is that, you know, I'm taking a little bit of a break from the show. I still contribute when I can, but I just wanted to let listeners know that even though I'm taking a break, they shouldn't take a break from supporting WRT and Labor Radio because we need support for the station and the show to continue. And hopefully we can continue making great programming and great news for the station and keep the station on the
2: air. Well, Ellen, it's good to hear from you. Call 256-2001, extension 1. We need to hear from people. We do have, or Democracy Now! has James to thank for a very generous donation, so we'd like to thank James. And we uh, hope that uh, we'll have a chance to thank others at 608-256-2001.
3: And people can call, uh, go to our website, wortfm.org. Uh, we will take pledges uh, there, and um, you can see all the sorts of cool stuff that we will, uh, there are thank you gifts that we have for you, and you can um, show your support. We know that you listen to WART because it's important to you, and this is Carol. I hope you will continue to support WART, and uh, visit our website, wortfm.org. And now, Janine Ramsey reports on the
1: U.S. national women's soccer team's pay equity settlement.
6: U.S. women's national soccer team players are celebrating a big win for pay equity. The historic settlement with the U.S. Soccer Federation includes a payout of $22 million to be split among the players. The settlement also contains a commitment to equalize pay and bonuses to match the men's team and an agreement to establish a $2 million fund to benefit the players in their post-soccer careers and to grow the sport for women. It was a long fight. The legal battle began in 2016 when five star soccer players, including Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan, filed a complaint with the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. The players sued three years later, seeking damages under the Federal Equal Pay Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. The working conditions part of their suit was resolved in 2020, but the judge threw out their pay equity complaint, a big setback. The players appealed and this settlement was reached prior to the court date. The settlement is contingent upon ratification of a new collective bargaining agreement with the members of the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association. The U.S. women's soccer team has won four World Cups since the program's start in 1985, while the U.S. men's team haven't reached a semifinal since 1930. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio.
0: And Major League Baseball has shortened its season in response to an ongoing lockout initiated by team owners late last year. Now we'll hear more on the state of the negotiations between the two sides.
8: Major League Baseball will experience its second abbreviated season in three years starting this month, after an extended deadline for players and owners to approve a new labor contract passed this week. The first cancellations were announced by League Commissioner Rob Manfred during a press conference late on Tuesday, citing a breakdown in negotiations between team owners and the unions representing the players, the Major League Baseball Players Association. Thus far, the opening two series of the season have been scrubbed from the schedule, with the league and ownership threatening more cancellations if the MLBPA refuses further proposals. The MLBPA has cited both a 43-day gap when ownership refused to schedule bargaining meetings and the league-imposed agreement deadline as the cause of the contracted season, as opposed to a refusal to bargain in good faith. After the expiration of the league-imposed deadline and the cancellation announcement, the MLBPA gave a press conference in which they said they will not stop advocating for improved conditions.
5: We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. It's against that backdrop of growing revenues and record profits for owners in the league that players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. Players wanna play, We, we all know that. But the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon.
8: Disagreements between the two sides have centered around raises to minimum salaries, postseason structure, and adjustments to the competitive balance tax, commonly referred to as a luxury tax, that currently impacts lower revenue teams more harshly. The owners called their offer on Tuesday their best and final. Leaders from both sides met informally yesterday to discuss how to proceed with negotiations. No further official meetings between the League and MLBPA have been scheduled, but are anticipated to resume shortly. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup.
1: Jacob Milanowski, the Communications Director for Fair Elections Project, updates us on the latest Supreme Court decision on legislative maps in Wisconsin.
6: What was the latest decision by the Supreme Court of Wisconsin
9: regarding the legislative maps? Back in November, the state Supreme Court decided that it would review maps from all of the litigants through something they made up called the Lease Changes Framework, meaning how little the maps deviated from the maps in 2011. This is total bunk and something they did to help the Republicans gain an advantage in the legislature. Well, yesterday, they made their ruling through this Lease Changes Framework, and Justice Brian Hagedorn sided with the liberal minority on the court's. To say that Governor Evers' maps fit this framework the best. And so while this decision is not necessarily for democracy, it is a step in the right direction. This would guarantee seven VRA districts in the Milwaukee area. And these maps look slightly better than some of the counterparts also proposed in this same case.
6: Does this settle the matter then for the next decade?
9: I wouldn't say it settles it for the next decade, but it almost certainly settles it for this election cycle. These are the maps we will be using for 2022. Uh, but there's a lot at stake over the next few years that could change what these maps look like for the rest of the decade. For example, there's going to be state Supreme Court races, and that could change the composition of the courts and bring new arguments forward. The governor's race is going to be really important. If that seat flips to the Republicans, they'll have complete control over the legislature and the executive branch, and they might be able to pass new maps. This could also go to federal or the U.S. Supreme Court. There's a lot of different avenues, but we're pretty certain this is what the maps will look like for at least this election cycle.
6: Do you have anything to
9: add there's a lot of work we can still do to make sure we have like a real functioning democracy in this state that's not decided by a hyperpartisan state Supreme Court. It's not decided by a few politicians uh, in Madison. It can be decided by the people uh, and we can have real elections that actually mean something in this state.
6: That was Jacob Malinowski from the Fair Elections Project. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio.
0: And now it's time to go to your phone. Here's a Labor Radio pledge break with Carolyn Frank.
3: Hey, thanks. We got some people to thank. Judy from <laughs> Madison uh, made a pledge, and she wants to send a special shout out to Ellen La Luzerne. Catherine uh, gave us a pledge, and her favorite shows are A Public Affair on Friday, World News, and. Um, Back to the country. Um, we want to uh, point you in the direction of the website, wortfm.org, where you can see all the lovely thank you gifts. Or if you would like to call in, our number is 608-256-2001, extension 1.
2: Yes, give us a call. Uh, somebody who is abroad right now threatened to call in, but I don't know if he was going to call collect or not. In any event, uh, we need to hear from you. 608 608- 608-256-2001, extension 1. We need to hear basically from another three or four callers before the end of the show. We would uh, really appreciate it. We're there for you. Labor Radio is there for working people in the South Central Wisconsin. And uh, this is a reciprocal relationship. So we do reporting about what you do, and you hopefully support the station and WRT and Labor Radio. 608-256-2001, Extension one. And now we can go back to our
0: news. Keith Stefan now brings us all an announcement from the Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign.
2: Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign holds its statewide march meeting at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, March 8th. Reverend Liz Theo Harris will talk about the mobilizing tour that is stopping in Madison on March 28th. The tour is mobilizing for the mass Poor People's and low wage workers' assembly in Moral March on Washington. Leaders from around the state will also be speaking about local issues and sharing struggles, highlighting further the need for the mass gathering in D.C. on June 18th. The March 8th virtual meeting will be bilingual, English and Spanish. Details and a link can be found on the Wisconsin Poor People's Campaign Facebook page.
1: Labor Radio brings us this week's COVID report with Carol Weidel.
3: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has changed the indicators it is using to monitor the impact of COVID-19 on communities. The new standards look at the combination of three metrics. First, new COVID-19 admissions per 100,000 population in the last seven days. Second, the percent of staffed inpatient beds occupied by COVID-19 patients. And third, total new COVID-19 cases per 100,000 population in the last seven days. Using these standards, the COVID-19 community level is classified as low, medium, or high. In Dane County, the COVID impact is low. Cases continue to decrease during this 14-day period ending Sunday, February 27th, with an average of 120 cases per day. The number of people hospitalized with COVID in Dane County hospitals has also decreased with an average of 71 people hospitalized each day. There has also been a decrease in deaths over the past month. Percent positivity during this 14-day period was 5%. 62.4% of Dane County residents age five and up are up to date on their COVID vaccines, while 21% are fully vaccinated but not up to date, and 12.2% are not vaccinated. Over the past four weeks, cases decreased among all age groups. Children under age 4 currently have the highest rate at 38 per 100,000 per day and the highest percent positivity at 7.5 percent. The website vaccines.gov is the easiest way to find a vaccine near you. Each site has different hours and the user must choose the vaccine. It is recommended that unvaccinated people choose either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines. Again, the website is V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot G-O-V. Sources of information for today's story are the Centers for Disease Control and Public Health Madison and Dane County. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel.
0: Tech workers at the New York Times have won their union election by a strong majority and are now officially represented by the News Guild of New York. The vote was overwhelming with a vote of 404 to 88. As the largest CODE CWA unit with full bargaining rights in the country, this local is blazing a path for other workers in the tech and media industries to follow.
1: And now here's Frank M. Spacht with the statement from Labor Against the War.
2: Hundreds of progressive trade unionists have signed the following statement from U.S. Labor Against the War. The statement reads, in part... We who founded HELP to build and supported U.S. labor against the war, beginning in 2003, now condemn the Russian invasion of Ukraine, just as we condemn the U.S. invasion occupation of Iraq. We offer our heartfelt concern and compassion for the people of Ukraine, suffering from the dislocations, destruction, and death of this unjust war. We express our solidarity with the working people of Ukraine and Russia, including those who have bravely demonstrated in their streets and in battle their opposition to Russia's aggression. With them, we call for an immediate ceasefire, withdrawal of all Russian forces from Ukraine, and the resolution of the conflict through intensive diplomatic negotiations that respect Ukrainian sovereignty, address Russian security concerns, disarm all neo-Nazi, ultra elements, and respect the rights of all sectors of Ukrainian society. Full disclosure, I was a signatory to the statement This is Frank Emsbach for Madison
7: Labor Radio.
0: And here again are Frank and Carol with our last Labor Radio Pledge Drive Wrap.
3: We want to thank uh, Christine and Bob who are standing by to take your call at 608-256-2001, extension 1. Show us the love, but mostly... Show us the money. Um, so worgfm.org is the place to go, and you can see all sorts of ways to show your love. Well, Frank, have you got some people to thank? Well,
2: we have we have somebody from the great, great Anonymous family. We'd oh. like to thank you for your very generous pledge. Thank you very much. But uh, we need to hear from a couple of more people. It's getting sort of late here for us. Uh, we have about two minutes. So give us a ring at 608-256-2001, extension 1. We do need to hear from all of you who support what we're doing here at WORT, support the other shows, and in general, keep us on the air for another 30 or 40 years to bring news to you that you get nowhere else.
3: Word is part of your identity, and you don't want to lose it.
0: And now, thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Bert Zipper. Thanks to editors Frank Imspack and Ellen La Assistant Robin G, reporters Greg Gaboski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, Carol Weidel, and Mike Bernhard. Thank you as well to website editor JJ Meyer. Special thanks to Keith Stefan, our reader coordinator, and to all our readers, like the fabulous Victoria Gutierrez, <laughs> and the members of IBEW Local Twenty Three O four W O R T Staff Collective.
1: And I'm Victoria Gutierrez. And Back at you, Bert. <laughs> thanks to you. We also would like to thank all our generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Special thanks to Shally engineering yes. the program. thank you, Sholly. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts. And it's almost 6 o'clock. Make that call 608-256-2001 or online at wortfm.org. That was a great show, folks. Show Labor Radio some love. You are listening to Community, listener-sponsored radio, WORT, Madison.